Good morning, church. My name's Emma, if you haven't met me, and I'm going to be doing the first Bible reading today. Um, It is Genesis chapter 9, starting at verse 18, and it's on page 7 of the church Bibles. Chapter 9, verse 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. He also said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Noah lived a total of 950 years, and then he died. Morning Church, I'm Natasha, and today's second Bible reading comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, and that's found on page 950 in the uh, Blue Church Bibles. Ephesians 6, starting from verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray as we come to look at God's word together. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you that you have not left us in the dark, but that you have spoken to us through your living and active word. As we continue to look today at the commandments that you gave the nation of Israel, we pray, Father, that you would speak to us today. And we pray, Father, that you would make us not just hearers, but doers of your word. And we pray particularly, Father, that you would convict us of the importance and then help us to understand how to honour our mothers and fathers. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Maybe before I get too far along today, I ought to just just say uh, something about the two Bible readings. Uh, Don't know what you made of the Noah Bible reading there, but uh, we'll get to the naked, drunk Noah a bit later. Uh, and hopefully you'll see where that fits in. Uh, we won't dwell there too long. Um, but I, I should also just mention about the second Bible reading it um, in Ephesians 6 there. Uh, only the first three verses, of course, are about honouring your father and mother. The fourth verse uh, is actually the first memory verse that my children ever gave me. So... As a six-year-old, uh, my daughter, who's quite clever and even was then, 
uh, said to us, he said, Daddy, what's, uh, what's that word in, uh, in, in, in verse 4 there? It says, fathers do not, what's that? What's that word? He said, it's exasperates. He said, what does exasperate mean? And so I had to explain what exasperate means. And he said, I think that's a very good verse for you to remember, Daddy. Uh, so we won't be talking any more about that verse. I just wanted to mention. And really, I wish she were here uh, because obviously, honour your father and mother uh, is a word to children, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, and, uh, and they've all left. So now what do I do? If it's about children honouring your father, now what? Because it, oh, you've got one. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, if the rest of you all kind of amuse yourselves for a minute, we'll have a... Con- no. Because the command's not actually children honour your fathers and mothers, is it? It's just honour your fathers and mothers. And the more I've looked into this, the more I've seen that this is not actually a quick word to the kids. This is a profound word to the whole of human society. Uh, As we go through, you'll see by my detailed outline that my preparation was running a little late today. Uh, Let me just, for those uh, who are taking notes, uh, let me just say that what we're doing, I'll look at God's profound word uh, to the whole of human society and we're going to work our way through first the law, the history of Israel Jesus and us today. So how is that a profound word? Uh, And the second main thing we'll look at is what does honouring your father and mother look like through the whole of life? Just briefly look at that. And then at the end, we're going to think about um, what is it actually like practically to honour sinful mothers and fathers? And I've got, got five points I want to go through there. So three main points. Uh, and our, our last main point will actually be thinking practically about how we do this. But let me first convince you that from God's word, this is something we ought to do. Uh, in fact, as I've looked at this, I've got to say, uh, uh, over the week preparing this, I've become uh, more and more convinced that this command is not just kind of another command, it's one of the ten, but actually... It's number five of the Ten Commandments, but it begins the second tablet. There's the four commands which are really about the relationship between Israel and Yahweh, Israel and their God. Uh, And then there's a pivot at this point to thinking about commands which are about how people relate to people, how the nation of Israel were to relate to one another. And it begins here with honour your father and mother. It's not just the first one because, you know, God had six ideas and they just kind of popped out in random order. Uh, But there's a priority to this command as well. In fact, I think I've clearly seen there's a link between the two tablets in this. And that is that the way we are to, or the way that the nation of Israel was to relate to God is directly connected to the way that we are to relate to mothers and fathers. And that the way we relate to mothers and fathers will then affect the whole of society and so the, the rest of the commands fall out from this. So this really is a, a kind of a hinge point in the Ten Commandments. Uh, when you see the word honour in your Bibles, sometimes that, that, that word is translated differently in different versions and there are a bunch of other words that often get um, 
thrown in with it as well. So along with honour, you find honour and obey, uh, honour and revere, honour and uh, worship even, honour and submit, honour and stand in awe of. And obviously they're things that we are to do to God. But I wonder if you've ever noticed, particularly through the Old Testament, just how often children are to do that for their father and mother. Now, we in Australia don't talk about mum and dad like that at all. I'm in awe of my dad. It's been a long time, or revering mum. But that's actually how the Bible talks about how children are to relate to parents. And that connection is extraordinary. Uh, uh, And so... Sorry, we seem to be skipping way ahead. Uh, You can work out if you can get them to come up one at a time. Uh, In the history of the nation of Israel, um, what does this look like, this honour and respect that people are to have for their parents? In the nation of Israel, honouring your mother and father was simply the right thing to do. And disobedience deserved death. Have you ever noticed that? The penalty for dishonouring your mother and father is exactly the same as the penalty for murder. That's how seriously it's taken. Uh, Let's just try this. Uh, We're we're kind of Anglicans here. We haven't done much of the response thing, but uh, you know the response thing in Anglican where you say the bit involved. So that happens not just in the Anglican church, but in the Bible. And in fact, uh, when Moses was rehearsing the covenant with the people of Israel, there were bits that they said back. And so here's a bit. Let's see how we go. Uh, Moses said, Cursed is anyone who dishonours their father or mother, and all the people shall say... Yeah, like it's okay, but it's not overwhelming, is it? I mean, do you do you really believe that? <laughs> Committed? Cursed is everyone who dishonours their mother and father? We have grown to accept rebellion against parents as something that's inevitable. That's just what teenagers do. So common is it that we think it bizarre to expect anything else. We've actually grown up uh, to be a culture that doesn't honour mothers and fathers, but actually honours children, honours youth. So much so that adults pretend to be youth. And so the lady's nodding, but how long do you want to look? 19. Men, how long are you going to play those stupid video games? We behave like children as adults. It's as if being a child has become the great goal and we ask the kids for their advice about what they want the world to look like and whatever happened to honouring the elders. Friends, if you've grown up in Australia, you've grown up in a world way, way, way away from the Bible. And in this area particularly, I think our culture has drifted so far. Uh, when I first left school as a builder's labourer, my boss had a, had a ute. On the back of the ute was a sticker. Um, he, at that stage, had a uh, kind of a number of quite rebellious teenage um, sons. And the sticker said, 
ask a teenager while they still know everything. I don't know if you've had that experience with a teenager, uh, but it's amazing, isn't it? I had another friend who had a bumper sticker on his car a bit later in his mid-twenties and he said, uh, this bumper sticker said, my parents used to be fools but it's amazing how clever they've got lately. There's something about kind of living a little bit longer and you're like, oh, actually, mum and dad weren't so stupid after all. And the idea of honouring your parents, which seemed like just a stupid idea, suddenly seems much more clever after a while. I'm glad the teenagers aren't here to feel picked on by me. But that's the culture, except for some, sorry. (laughs) Lucky, it really is a tough day for you today. I'm sorry, brother. (laughs) Uh, so honouring our parents is just the right thing to do. It's not just the right thing to do, uh, but it's the wise thing to do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not going to work all day today by the look of that. That's fine. It's the wise thing to do. Uh, Honouring your parents uh, is a, a command that comes with a promise. And the promise is, if you do this, it'll go well. You'll enjoy a long life in the land. Uh, It's a great... And who wouldn't want to live a long and good life? And life just goes better if you honour your parents. This is a command that's repeated in the New Testament. We we just heard from Ephesians 6. We'll look at that a little bit more closely later on. Uh, But it's language that goes all the way through the Proverbs as well. Honouring your parents is smart. It's wise. Life goes better. Life goes better not just for you, but for the whole of society. See, if you think about it, why is this command connected to the others? Ideally, it's our parents who introduce us to God. It's as we relate to our parents that they teach us of God. And we come to know how to respond to God rightly by responding to them rightly. That's the pattern. So we learn to honour God by, first we honour our parents and then historically then we honour God. But it's not just that, but if you meet people who do not honour their parents, who do not obey their parents, who do not submit to their parents, as they grow up, they also don't honour, don't submit, don't obey their teachers, the police, the government. You see, actually the whole of human relationships is, is built around the foundation of the family And learning to honour your parents is the beginning step both in our relationship with God and also in our relationship with others. Now when that step's missing, this takes a lot more work and so do these other relationships as well. And that's why this is laid down uh, in the Old Testament both as the right thing to do and the wise thing to do. But we see it also in the life of Jesus. So we see it in the Lord, we see it in the life of Jesus. In the life of Jesus, we see uh, how honouring parents uh, was important to him. As a child, he grew up, he did what his parents said. He was obedient to them, he submitted to them. And right at the end of his life, just before he died, one of the last things he does before he's crucified is he provides for his mother. As he says to Mary, look here, John, he's your son. And to John, he's your mother. Take care of her. And so from 
start to finish of his life, we see that a proper honouring of his parents, of his mother especially, was in his mind. And in fact, if you think of the way that Jesus uh, responded with people that he got angry with, obviously at the top of that list is the Pharisees, and what is the thing that angered Jesus most about the Pharisees? It's their hypocrisy. What's the greatest example of that? Well, he talks about the example of Korban. That is, you owe your mother and father care. You owe them a duty of care. And you who are using the law to say, oh no, whatever I owed mum and dad, I'm now giving God, so that I use my my service of God as an excuse to not honour my own mother and father, to not care for my mother and father, he says, you hypocrites. That's like the worst example of the misuse of the law. And it's extraordinary that somebody could say, well, I'm too busy doing stuff to God, for God to look after my mum and dad. May it never be true of us. So we see it in the life of Jesus, in the law, in the life of Jesus. Thirdly, in the New Covenant community, we see it as well. In the New Testament letters, we see honouring parents is one of the areas of the teaching of the law that is just carried directly over from the Old to the New Covenant. And so in the reading we had from Ephesians 6, Paul just repeats the command exactly as it is so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life now on the earth. And just like in the law, did you notice that Paul says honouring your father and mother is right? Here it's right in the Lord or in Colossians 3.20, it's the thing that pleases the Lord. So it's the right thing to do, but secondly also it's the wise thing to do as well because life goes better when you honour your parents. In contrast, as you read through the, the New Testament, you think about those places where you get the most horrific list of sins, the worst list of sins. Maybe the most vivid for me is the one at an, in the end of Romans chapter 1. So the wrath of God's being revealed against all of humanity uh, because they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And Paul then paints this graphic picture of sin, of just how bad that gets. And they are murderers and they are adulterers and they are slanderers. And do you know what else? They disobey their parents. Is right there in the list of the worst sins that people could commit. Disobeying their parents. I wonder if we feel the weight of that, that to dishonour your parents is as bad as anything else you could do. Do we feel that in a society that has largely given up on trying to encourage young people to honour their parents? Does it grieve us the way it grieves God? It ought to. Well, that's how we see this, uh, this honouring of God as a profound word to the whole of human society. We see the place of it there throughout the Bible. 
We see the place of it not just throughout the Bible, but we see the place of it in honouring mothers and fathers through the whole of life. So my second main point, we need to honour mothers and fathers through the whole of our lives. Now I've talked about honour and obedience kind of overlapping and they do overlap. They overlap a lot throughout the Bible. Honour and obedience, honour your mother and father, obey your mother and father. They they overlap a lot but actually honour changes. It changes over time. It changes as we get older. What is honourable looks different. I'll give you an example. If if a mother said to a six-year-old, now look, please go upstairs and change that shirt into the blue one that I like. And when you come back down, I'm going to pat your hair down and sort it out because you look a bit of a mess. And uh, and then I want you to sit at the mealtime and just be quiet uh, while we speak. We've got important things to talk about. And after that, if you're good, I'll let you go out and play with the friend that I've, uh, that I've said that it's okay for you to go out and spend time with. And imagine for a moment that the six-year-old said, yes, mummy, no problem. I want to say two things about that situation. Uh, one is it's miraculous. Okay, uh, Anyone who's raised a six-year-old will just test it. So it's miraculous. Uh, but secondly, it is a God-honouring obedience, isn't it? It's an honouring of the mother that is God-honouring. Imagine a compliant child like that at six. But just think for a moment that we we march the clock forward 30 years and now we've got a 36-year-old who walks into his mother's kitchen and his mother says to him, look, can you please go upstairs, change that shirt, the blue one that I like. Uh, I'm going to come backstairs, fix up your hair, then I'll decide after you've been quiet through the meal uh, who you can go out and spend time with. And the 36-year-old says, yes, mummy, no problem. That is no longer honouring to the mother, nor God-honouring. Why? Because it's a demonstration this mother has failed to raise an adult. So it doesn't honour God for you to be blindly obedient as a parent. And in fact... Uh, We'll see a bit later, our obedience must have limits. Uh, God condemned the people of Israel for blindly obeying the example and teaching of their fathers. They're not to do that. So obedience and honouring, when you're little, are pretty much the same thing. But as an adult, they are different. You can see there's an example in Deuteronomy 32, so right at the end of Deuteronomy, uh, about a a son who who is a drunkard and um, and a glutton. And the people are to take that son who is a drunkard and a glutton and is a disgrace and take him out of the city bounds and stone him for dishonouring his parents. Not because he disobeyed them, but because he is living a godless life. So actually, honouring the parents as an adult looks quite different. I assume we're talking about a glutton and a drunkard. We're we're no longer talking about a child. We're talking about an adult. Uh, It's an adult who ought to have learnt to follow God himself. And when he didn't, that that was the thing that dishonoured the parents. And so what it means to honour the parents changes as children grow up. 
There's another really important thing to say here in terms of transitions in life as you go ahead, and that is when you get married, there is a fundamental shift in your relationship with your parents. Now, I know this is a cause for massive pain and particularly those of us who are in cross-cultural marriages have particular issues around this. But honestly, let me just say now, every culture in the world I know of has mother-in-law jokes. Okay? Why? Because we've got to find some way to talk about that awkward, hopeless thing when mothers can't let go of their little babies, even though the baby is now married somebody else. Or, even worse, the little baby can't let go of mum, even though they've married somebody else. Either way, it's wrong and we've got to laugh about it, otherwise we're going to cry. <laughs> so I'm all for mother-in-law jokes. I used to have a good raft of them. My mother-in-law passed away a long time ago and I don't feel at liberty to share any with you this morning. Uh, But when you get married, Genesis 2, which sets up marriage, Genesis 2.28 says, when you get married, you leave your mother and father and in in the great words of the King James Version, which loved to rhyme better than the NIV, you leave and you cleave, You, you join on to your husband or your wife. And what was your primary relationship with your mother and father is no longer your primary relationship anymore. And the relationship you have with your husband and wife now takes primacy. Now, primacy does not mean that this stops existing. So that is not the switch that says now, oh, it doesn't matter if I honour mum and dad. No. No, now you have to do the hard work of working out what will honouring my mother and father look like now that I'm a married person. And so if you're in that situation, you've not yet done that work, I... Uh, I urge you to think clearly about what it means to honour your mother and father when you owe a first allegiance to somebody else now. But it changes, doesn't it? What it looks like changes. Well, my third main point, honouring sinful mothers and fathers. Because here's the rub. They all are. They all are. All of our mothers and fathers are sinful and that makes honouring them a complex business. You know, if they were all pure like me, it wouldn't be a problem, but... Sorry. Um, uh, But because they're sinful, it's complex to know what honouring them should look like because we don't honour the shameful things that mothers and fathers do but we somehow have to honour them. And I know that this is especially hard for those who've experienced that immense pain of being abused or neglected or let down in any way by those who should have loved and looked after them, by their own mother and father. That's an enormous pain. I want you to feel the depth of that pain because that is clearly not how it should be. So what do you do then in honouring that? That's actually why I asked that the story of Noah be read out. Remember the story of Noah? First homemade batch of wine, 
Wasn't sure how strong it was. No, let's not make no excuses. He got drunk. He got blind drunk. And it's hard in the translation to pick up all the nuances. But let's just say he got drunk and he was a disgrace. He did the wrong thing. And he was, he was a shameful disgrace. And the young son Ham comes in. And what does he do? He sees the shame and disgrace of his dad and he goes outside to tell everyone. Now, when I say everyone, they just got off the ark. So, <laughs> yeah. a whole lot of people left to tell. But he goes to tell his brothers straight away. And that is actually the problem. That's the problem. See, the problem is uh, not that he saw his dad naked. I mean, scarring, absolutely. But that's not the problem. The problem is that he has drawn attention to the shame of his father, to the disgrace of his father. What he has done has been to draw dishonour to his father. That's the problem. And so the other sons in the description, you you just imagine the ridiculous scene of the cloak and the kind of backing into the room and where is it? We're not going to look and... But all of that to avoid drawing any attention to the disgrace of the father. That's what it's about. It's not to excuse Noah. It's not that what Noah's done is now okay. And I want to say this to you as well. If you have been abused, neglected, treated badly, when I'm urging you to not dishonour your parents, I'm not saying you've got to pretend it didn't exist. Or pretend that it's somehow okay. Not at all. But here's the hard word. We are to somehow find ways even there of honouring father and mother. That's the hard thing. So I've got five tips for how to do that um, in a broken world. These are five ways that I think we can kind of practically honour our our fathers and mothers. First one, we need to work out the limits of our obedience to them. So remember, you can't just blindly obey everything. That, That would be wrong. And there are some things that parents ask us to do which would clearly be disobedient to God, and that's easy. They say, I'm not going to obey you and disobey God. They're the easy ones. The tough ones is where it's really a matter of wisdom. Where it's not being directly disobedient of God, but it would be wiser or more prudent to do something else. And I think, as you're a grown-up, that's the limit too. There will be times when you will do what your mother or father has asked you, even though it's not your preference. Even though you might want to do something else, you'll do it because they're mum or dad. I think that's great. But if it's a dumb thing to do, if it's foolish, it does not honour them to do the foolish thing just because they asked you. That's where the difficulty... We need to work out the limits. And I think we need to work that out, conscious that we will tend to want to excuse ourselves and pull the trigger on the... uh, on the, oh, no, no, I'm obeying God line. 
and therefore ignore our parents. And I think we, we have to be beware that that's going to be a tendency in our hearts and we'll fight against that. So first thing, work out the limits in your obedience to God. Secondly, we need to forgive them. We need to forgive our parents. They're all sinful. They all need forgiveness and they're going to need our forgiveness as well. And we are going to need to be ready to offer our forgiveness. Again, let me just slow down enough to say, this is not pretending that sin didn't happen or that sin doesn't matter. Or that we can just move on now as if it didn't matter or didn't happen. This side of heaven, with our capacity, forgiveness does not mean restoration. Forgiveness does not mean things just go back to as if it never happened. The, the whole forgive and forget thing, sometimes forgive and forget is just stupid. Forgive and forget is just allowing more sin to happen. We can forgive and remember, but forgive. So what is forgiveness then? It's a big topic. It's a kind of, a, we could do weeks and weeks on this, but let me, let me say this. Forgiveness is giving up your need for revenge. Forgiveness is saying, I do not need to get even. And what that means in our parents, or as we forgive them, is I don't want bad things to happen to them. I don't wish evil on them. And I won't take delight in their pain. Seeing them have a hard time, even if they've given me a hard time, I don't want to take pleasure in that. Now, if you've been really monumentally hurt, even just getting to that point may take a lot of time. But it's important that you do get to that point because we want to be forgiven as we forgive and that's really hard work. It's only by the power of the Spirit that that will happen and I think it's hard to forgive anybody. But I wonder if forgiving our parents might not be the hardest thing of all. And so it's a work of the Spirit we need to pray for, the power to be able to forgive mum and dad for the things they've done. It doesn't mean that we're, we're going to go back. It doesn't mean that we can just pretend as if this didn't happen. We might long to be restored and reconciled. That would be wonderful. And if that happens this side of heaven, praise God. That's a great thing to work toward. But you may not be able to get there in your life. And you may actually bear the pain of that unreconciled relationship. Don't try and do that on your own, but just know that this side of heaven, that may be all you can do is forgive, but you're not going to get to restore. Okay, so in the midst of all this mess, we're no longer going to look for vengeance. What can we do positively? What can we do positively? Limits of obedience, forgive them. Number three, Speak well of them. Speak well of them. Do you know, in the Old Testament, 
the penalty for cursing your mother and father, that is saying bad things about them, wishing bad things on them, talking about them behind their back, the penalty for that is exactly the same as the penalty for physically assaulting them. Death. Do you know that? Just saying bad things about your parents. Death. I reckon there's a great temptation for us to follow our culture in kind of airing our dirty laundry at every opportunity, in playing the victim, in blaming our parents for all of the things that are going wrong in our lives and saying so at every chance we get. And I wonder whether this is one of the areas where we've got to walk, no run, in the opposite direction to our culture. As I married and became a father, uh, there were many ways in which I consciously decided that I was not going to be like my dad. Lots of areas where I was going to copy him and imitate him and other areas where I decided I didn't want to be like that. And I've got other commitments as a husband and as a father and that was how I'm going to live. Now, I'd love to talk to you about uh, being a husband and a father and the things I'm committed to, but will it help you to know which of the bits are the ones I'm going against my dad's example and which of the bits I'm going for his example? Won't make any difference at all, will it? So why would I rehearse all the ways I think my dad's failed me? But I'll tell you, I've been tempted to do it and I'm sure I have done it at times. And it's unnecessary and it's dishonouring. I didn't need to do it. We've got to speak well of our parents. Yep, my dad was sinful and fallen and broken and so am I. And so are you. And so even is my mum, can you believe it? Even my mum, now my dad's passed away now years ago, but... uh, but mum's still alive. You might meet her one day and I just want you to know that she is wonderful. She's extraordinary. And, and, and the way that she raised me, I mean... <laughs> what a testimony! <laughs> now you should meet my brother and sister. <laughs> um, much better than me. Much better than me. I don't know what you were thinking. But... <laughs> No, no. My, uh, my mum is wonderful. She's done so many wonderful things for me. And, and do you know, as I was preparing to talk today, I was preparing to talk, I was thinking, there are so many wonderful things I could say about my mum, I could say to my mum, but here's my fourth point. We, we actually don't just need to say good things about them. <laughs> if we're going to honour mum and dad, we need to say good things to them. We need to speak well to them and not just about them. And I wonder when the last time you took the time to do that was. And I'm glad that this sermon's so close after Mother's Day because <laughs> I'm doing all right just at the minute. I mean, it's, it's weeks, but it's okay. It's a lot better than it was in March when it, there was a... And why don't I do it regularly? Why is this not a habit? Is it a habit for you? I know, again, culturally... Many of us 
I used to say that stuff out loud. Yeah, they know. You know, like your wife knows that you love her. You told her. You were there. Everyone was there. They saw you. <laughs> you said it once. Why? No. 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 <laughs> to honour mum and dad, you. we need to speak well to them. It's a great thing to say to them, these are the things I thank God for in you. I'm so glad that you have done this for me. That's number four, speak well to them. Number five, last one, we need to support them. We need to support our parents. I'm very conscious that uh, kind of I'm entering a phase of life where caring for elderly uh, parents is is a big issue for for my family and for a lot of my friends. Uh, a lot of our conversations after church as we're talking to people, um, talking to mates, it's about how you care for mum and dad as they're getting older and those difficult decisions about what you do. It's hard. Uh, Margie's away today uh, with her uh, her dad and her, her dad's partner caring for them uh, as, as she nears the end of her life because it's the right thing to do and there's not much more time and... And it's tough, isn't it? And all those decisions we've got to make about how we care for ageing parents is hard. It's hard. We're born as babies, not much hair, no teeth, unable to look after ourselves or feed ourselves, needing to be picked up and carried around. And we're all heading back to pretty much the same thing if we last long enough. And at this point, somebody else cared for me. And now that they're here, it's my job to care for them. Uh, If I can be kind of indulged for a proud moment, my son Noah, he's just finished uni. His job is caring for elderly people in their homes. He works for Anglicare and uh, he bounces about through the week. Um, going from home to home, caring uh, for elderly people in their own homes. Uh, and he's got a full-time job and he's part of a big team and I'm really, really proud of him. But I'm also pretty sad. I'm pretty sad that day after day he comes back and tells me the stories of elderly people who for years have had no care, no attention from their own kids. I'm sad because this is not uncommon. And in fact, as a society, we've kind of outsourced the care of our parents for people who care for profit, people who care for money. And the Royal Commission is uh, going on at the moment and I think as those uh, findings are made public, uh, we as a society are going to be deeply ashamed of the way that we do not care for our elderly and our vulnerable. And people who come from other cultures and move into Australia, often this is the thing they say to me, that they just cannot understand the lack of care that Australians exhibit towards their elders. 
Now, I want to say in the midst of all of this, sometimes the most caring and most loving thing we can do uh, for people is, is to provide an environment where they've got full-time care and support and the kind that we can't provide ourselves and, and we have to financially work out that that's, that's the best way to do it and the most loving thing we can. But it's not as if that's a substitute for our love. While that's an expression of love, that's great. That's wonderful, difficult, hard, guilt-ridden. But if it's an expression of love, that's great. If it's an expression of laziness, if it's an expression of carelessness, if it's an expression of selfishness, then you and I ought to be deeply troubled by those decisions. And so that's why it's so painful to weigh those up. It's why it's so important that we talk about it with one another. Because they're difficult, difficult things. But just listen to how Paul describes the way that Christians must look after and honour their elderly. This is from 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 4 to 8. Um, In a better world, it would have appeared on the screen, but uh, you, you can hear it. If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues day and night to pray and to ask God for help. The widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. To give the people these instructions, no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So in the Old Testament, not honouring your parents deserves death. In the New Testament, as we think about all of the things we could do with the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus, what Paul says is, if in that freedom you choose not to care for your own parents and grandparents, you are worse than an unbeliever. You have denied your faith. And even more broadly to the church, he says, because the church is given the responsibility to care for the widows, that is, to care for those who do not have family, to care for them. It is the church, it is us, who bear the responsibility of caring for those who no one else will care for, which is why Christian churches have been in aged care in Australia for so long and why it's good and right that we continue to do it and why we don't just talk to the people who are the same age as us at church and why it's important that we love up and down the generations. Well, as we make those difficult decisions, I think more and more this is going to be one of the aspects in which Christians will shine like lights in the darkness. We'll be able to see those who truly follow the Lord Jesus in the way that they are different in caring for those who are aged and particularly in honouring their fathers and mothers. But it's complex, isn't it? Because they're all sinners and they all take a lot of care. And some of them are pretty ungrateful. 
and we're going to suck it up and do it anyway because it's the right thing to do and it's the wise thing to do. But do you know what else? We've got another motivation here. I said this as a quick word for the kids just kind of flippantly at the start. We're not kids apart from Lachlan. We're, we're not kids here this morning. But actually we are. Actually we are. See, the good news in all of this is that we always relate to our heavenly Father as children. And even though our earthly parents are sinful and we've got to be really careful about what we obey and what we don't obey and we've got this, this danger, this unease about thinking, is it okay to follow them and how do I choose which bits to honour and which bits not to honour with our heavenly Father? There's no problem at all, is there? Obeying Him is perfect freedom. And honouring him is always the right thing to do. And isn't that wonderful? But you know what's even more wonderful? Uh, his teeth are not falling out anytime soon. <laughs> you know, the, what's more wonderful is he doesn't age and need our help. He's not frail and infirm. I will always relate to my heavenly father as a little child. Even so that at the new creation, at the new heavens and the new earth, Daddy will wipe away the tears from my eyes and there'll be no more mourning or crying or pain as we gather around our Heavenly Father. And so our care for our earthly mothers and fathers, our honour of our earthly mothers and fathers is good and right and proper and wise. And he's only ever a pale reflection of the way that we are to relate to our Heavenly Father because of his great love for us. Let's pray. Our Father, uh, the world is mucked up and broken in so many ways and for many of us, as we think about our relationship with our parents, they're there are painful memories. Uh, there are confusions about what to do and how to respond. Father, we pray your wisdom in that and we pray by the power of your spirit that you would enable us to forgive and to honour them. But Father, even as we pray that, we thank you that it's not so with you. We thank you that you are pure and so that obedience and following and worshipping and honouring you is a joy and is always for our good. And we thank you, Father, that in this as well, we never have to grow up. That you, Father, are always our Father and us, your adopted children. We thank you that your care for us knows no bounds. And we thank you, Father, that although you don't need us, you love us still. In the power of that love, by your Spirit, we pray, Father, that we would be shining lights in this society in the way that we honour our fathers and mothers. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.